last week we talked about remembering. When, when Moses was uh, about to relinquish his duties as leaders over the children of Israel whom he had led for decades, he wrote a lot of stuff in Deuteronomy as kind of his parting uh, speech, which was fairly lengthy. And, but there was a theme that ran all the way through that. And the theme was, if you, if you read it, is Moses says to the people, remember not to forget. And then a little later he says, don't forget to remember. And then a late, little later he says, remember to remember. So I think he's trying to make a point, remember. And so we want to be people who remember. We want to remember everything God's done for us. As we remember the things God's done for us, we looked at just a handful of them last week. He just, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. He came to give us everlasting life. He seeks and saves those who are lost. He came that we might have life and have it to the fullest measure, abundantly overflowing. These are just a few of the things Jesus came. He delivers, he sets free, all those things that he said the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, anointed him to do these things. And so we want to remember those things because when we don't remember them, now I'm guilty of this, you know, probably as you are, when we don't remember these things, Every new event becomes another event of anxiety and worry and fear. And then the Lord sees us through. And then another trial or testing might come and we have anxiety and worry and fear. And God says, I don't want you to keep repeating the anxiety, the worry, the fear every time. Let's just remember to remember that God is our deliverer. He is our helper. He's the one who takes care of us so we can ah, relax in the Lord. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but it happens when we begin to practice that practice that. I hate to tell you this, but you're going to have plenty of chances to practice that in your lifetime. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Trouble, trial, tribulation, depending upon your translation. But don't forget the rest of it. Fear not. Fear not. <laughs> Be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. I remind you this every time. That's not Jesus saying, be of good cheer, losers. I've overcome the world, so do the best you can. No, he's saying, I've overcome the world, and I have made you overcomers because he lives in us. He, he resides in us, and so we've been made overcomers as well. And so I want us to remember all that he's done, but I also remind us to remember all the work that's gone on before us to be able to worship in this place. And in fact, all the work that's going on right now. People sacrificed of their time. People sacrificed of their, their talent, their abilities and skills. People sacrificed of their, of their money, money and resources to give us a wonderful place to worship in today. A beautiful place to worship, a, a, a holy place to worship, a peaceful place to worship, a, a wonderful place with his spirit. And you know what the good news is? Is I fellowship with lots of ministers in this region uh, and there are many wonderful, beautiful houses of worship in this area. And I thank God for that. So this isn't, well, somebody got it right, we did, but I don't know about the rest of those people. And there's lots of wonderful places of worship in our region. And so I want to remember those who went before us because they gave their time and their skills and their money so we could enjoy what we're enjoying today. There's someday, and we saw some pictures of it last week, there's concrete being poured here and steel beams being erected and stuff being done around here. Hard, hard work that went on. Because I, I can tell you this, in anything in life, not just in building a house of worship, but in anything in life, your, your dreams, your goals for, for your family, your marriage, your relationships, your, your hobbies, your education, your career, whatever, anything, there's like a holy trinity that has to be exercised to experience them. And that trinity is 
time, talent, and treasure. You will invest time, talent, and treasure to develop anything in life, not just places of worship, but our spiritual lives or relationships or any of those things. And a lot of that went before us. So you know why time, talent, and treasure was invested in this place? Because people had a vision of a preferred future. A preferred future. That's what God wants for us, a preferred future. The whole concept of the gospel and salvation is a preferred future. I think it's Acts 20, 24 says that, that what we walk in is the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel. Gospel is a word that means good news. Now, the word gospel actually comes from a Greek word called euangelion. And euangelion means amazing, incredible, spectacular good news. Not just common good news. For instance, if you came to me and said, oh my goodness, I was going shopping, the parking lot was packed out, and I found a parking place right up in front of my favorite store, I would say, good news. If you told me if I walked into my favorite store and confetti fell from the ceiling, and they said, you are the millionth person to walk through the doors here, and we have awarded you a million dollars. Now that's good news. That's you and Gileon. That is incredible, spectacular good news. That so triumphs over a good parking place, would you agree? And that's what the gospel's about. It's actually, they used a word that means surpassing, incredible, amazing good news. It's great news. The gospel of the grace, grace is often defined as God's undeserved and unmerited favor, which is a pretty good definition, but it's not complete because the grace of God is also the empowering power of God to do everything he's called us to do. And so all this gospel comes from the Lord because he believes that you and I should have a preferred future. Now, sometimes we say, oh, yeah, I get it. I'll come to Christ. I'll give up a decent, good, wonderful life to barely by in the misery of Christianity. And then one day when I mercifully die, I'll get to go to heaven where I'll be blessed. If that was the message, it would be okay to have a miserable 100 years to have a fantastic forever. But that's not the message of the scripture. The message of the scripture is just someday on the sweet by and by. But you know, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he said this, that godliness is profitable now in this life and in the life to come. Jesus said, I think Paul's a pretty good, you know, teacher of truth. How about Jesus? Jesus said, no one has sacrificed, given up, invested anything for my sake and the gospels, but what they'll receive back in this life 100 times and eternal life. That's, that's amazing. So it's not just about in the great by and by, which is really awesome, the great by and by, but it's about life right now. And that we are supposed to have a preferred future. And the gospel comes to bring us a preferred future. But... We fall into a struggle, do we really believe? Do we really believe that the creator of life, the giver of life, actually has our best intentions in mind? See, that's the whole lie all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Did God say, well, he knows. He's trying to hold you back. He doesn't want the best for you. Listen to me and all will be well. Well, they listened to the devil and all wasn't well, was it? It didn't work out well. Well, the same is true in my life when I don't listen to the Lord. It just doesn't seem to work out well. And, and by the way, I want to stress this. I think so many times we think, 
It didn't work out well because God got so mad at this. He said, I'm going to get you for that. I really don't think that's the concept. I think the concept is he knows how to do life. And when you choose not to do life the way God tells you to do life, it just doesn't work. It wasn't that God said, I'm going to get you for that. You know, I use the illustration all the time. Gravity is a wonderful thing when it's working for you. If you slide off of a roof, you find out gravity wasn't so wonderful. But, but if you're not careful, gravity can work against you. So you want, you want the things of God working for you. And I really don't believe it's God, you know, watching over everything to get you for everything you do wrong. Or we would all be gotten by now because we've all done enough wrong. But God has a preferred future for you. So he tells us, here's how life works and how it works best. And if you'll do these things, life works better. Well, but the world has so many things it wants to offer. And, and Christians are saying this. We, we've said this before. You know, the people out there in the world, they're miserable. I met a lot of people in the world who aren't serving Jesus. They're not miserable at all. They're having fun. And so you say, well, they're not having fun. Yeah, yeah, they are. This weekend, like any weekend in the United States of America and around the globe, there have been people who decided they're going to go after fun and fulfillment the way the world offers it. And so nightclubs and bars and honky-tonks and anything else you can think of was filled up on Friday night and on Saturday night, and, and people had fun. They danced, they laughed, they partied, they, they ate, they sang, they did all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and a lot of times you, you really have to have, like, alcohol because no one would sing in public if they didn't have some of that alcohol. If you ever watched the karaoke thing, and so you go, okay, yeah, they, they had to have a few in them to do that. So what happened is, and, and maybe immorality, that's not trying to let you in on anything you don't know, but immorality goes on, and people went out and partied on Friday night. Maybe they had a sexual encounter, and then on Saturday night they had a sexual encounter with somebody else, and they're kind of recuperating today and they're going to get up on Monday morning they're going to go to school or go to work and they're going to brag about how much fun they had over the weekend and they did have fun because the scripture says and we'll look at that in a minute Moses said that sin's pleasurable for a season but it's just a season and God is so interested in you and I having a preferred future God is so interested in you and I having a great life not just a great weekend. And so people start doing that and doing that. And if you've ever gone that cycle and finally gave up and came to Jesus, you know eventually that was fun for a season. I was talking to uh, some people one time, and they were knew better, and they were going after the world, and they were sitting around. They had had a little age on them, and they looked at each other and said, because they were in a, a club, and they said, are we having fun yet? Because they realized there wasn't anything fun to it. It might have been at one time, but it wasn't anymore. It didn't fulfill because the world has what I'll just call synthetic or artificial ways to get you high or to do whatever. But Jesus has a way to infuse the spirit-filled life in you where you can enjoy life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and all back around again. And so I want to encourage you. Have a preferred future. You might have heard this song before. Everybody's working for the weekend. And so... We're all working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to make some money so we can go clubbing or whatever it is on Friday and Saturday and recuperate on Sunday. And then we start it all over again. Everybody's working for the weekend. I'm not working for the weekend. I'm working for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's all okay because of Jesus. I really mean that. I tell people all the time, I don't know if anybody's having more fun in life than me. I don't know who it is. I'm enjoying life to the fullest measure because of Jesus. So I want to encourage you in that. 
You know, it, you, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have these conquests, these sexual conquests, you know, Fridays and Saturdays and any other time I can. I can tell you what, there, there's a, a joy and an intimacy in, in marriage that cannot be found in a one night stand. But the world will tell you it can be. But God says, I know how life works. If we just ever pause and say, you know what? I think he does. He created it. And so I want to encourage us. Let's not go for the synthetic stuff. Let's go for God. And so I want to encourage us to grow. And I want to encourage us to to keep moving forward in our walk with God. And and I want us to get to a place where regardless of how our life is, we realize that there's, there's more in the Lord. And that we invest ourselves, we invest our time, we invest our talents, we invest our treasures into things that really matter. And we shoot for spiritual growth. And that we get to a point where we say, you know what? I can't stay here. I can't stay here. And that's really what I want to focus on today, the concept of I can't stay here. Now, for clarity, that's not a reference to your physical location. I don't want you to say, yeah, I can't stay in this church any longer. i got to move on. I can't stay in my home. I can't stay in the community. I can't stay wherever. It's not about physical location. It's about our life. We need to get somewhere where we say, I can't stay here. I can tell you this. Life just keeps on moving. Now, that's not scary or or negative to me. And we talk about how life just flies by, and it does. But it's a weird dual concept that happens. When I see pictures of our wedding, I, I look then and say, wow, that was like three lifetimes ago. Seems like forever ago. But then on the other hand, it seems like it was just yesterday. You know what I mean? It just keeps moving on. So I want to keep moving and growing in the things of God. Because one day, I'm going to draw my last breath which I'm very serious about this. That's not scary or awful or sad to me. I want to live all the life that God wants me to live, but I'm going to go be with the Lord. I've told my family this before, and I'm not trying to be brave or courageous. I just believe the Bible. I say, when I die, I don't care what you do. Please do not say, oh, I should have done this for Dad, or or this should have I don't care. I'm in heaven. I'm enjoying the glory of God. I said, if you can figure out how to talk your bosses into having a week off for my death, just have somebody bury me and go to the Bahamas. I don't, that, that does not matter to me. Now, I know that we all deal differently with things, so I get that. But I'm with the Lord. I'm with the Lord. I'm enjoying the Lord. So I'm not really worried about all that. So I, I can't stay here. I want to keep moving forward. I want to keep going forward. Now, there is some confusion on the concept, and that is, oh, what I hear you saying is this. If your life is miserable, awful, and horrible, then don't stay there, move forward. Well, yeah, I am saying that, but I'm also saying this. If your life is wonderful and fantastic and incredible, you still can't stay here. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep going on down the road. Keep growing in God. We haven't reached the end of our growth in the Lord, and so just keep saying to yourself, I can't stay here. And that's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. So, we need to grow. Because if we don't grow, we all have this gravitational pull towards, guess what? Me, you, all of us, towards becoming lazy. Now, I know none of you all have ever ever experienced that, becoming lazy. Now, I'm talking to myself, too. So, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 6. Three verses here, they're very insightful in what we're talking about today. Hebrews 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. Amen? He's not unjust. 
He will not forget your what? Your work. He will not forgive your work. He will not forgive your work and the love you have shown. Now, this is a cool verse. He will not forget your work and the love you have showed whom? Him. The love you have shown him as you help his people. And as you continue to help them. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, I really appreciate the love you've shown your brothers and sisters. He said, when you have shown love and you have helped your brothers and sisters, you have loved on me, God says. He says, I'm not unjust. I see your work. I'm not going to forget. I've seen what you've done. As you have loved me, as you have helped your brothers and sisters, we want each of you. Now, that's, that's a great phrase, each of you. Because I think what happens a lot of time in churches is we think, we read it like this, I want all of you pastors and elders. I want all of you deacons and Sunday school teachers. I want all of you children's ministry leaders and worship team. I want all of you to really go after God. No, it says, I want each of you. Every one of us in here is an each of you. I want each of you, each of you to show the same diligence, persistence, tenacity. I want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, till we're done, till we've checked out of here. That's what Paul said. Hey, I fought a good fight. I've ran a good race. There's now laid up for me the crown of life, and not only for me, but for all those who long for his appearing. He said, I'm, I've been faithful to the end, and that's what we're to be. Now, look at what this says. I want you to show this diligence to the end, so what you hope for may be fully realized. What's that mean? Just what we've been saying. That you might have a preferred end. You've got a vision of where you'd like your life to go, and I hope it lines up with Scripture, because that's the ultimate authority, and I want to take my life forward that direction. And God says, I want you to, too. I want you to be diligent to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become what? Lazy. We do not want you to become lazy. But to imitate, to copy, those who through faith and patience, patience is often interpreted as uh, perseverance as well, depending upon your translation, patience, perseverance. We don't want you to become lazy, but what we do want you to do is imitate those who faith and patience has inherited what has been promised. A lot of wonderful promises in the word of God. We need to be faith-filled, and we need to be patient and persevere. Because even the whole concept of faith is that you're grabbing a hold of a preferred future. If we went up to the very top of, of, of Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 verse 1, it tells us, Now faith is, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So God wants us to exercise faith to have a desired future. So, I discovered this truth, and I want to pass it along to you. I discovered it long before it actually became true for me. Here's the truth. The less you do, the less you want to do. Have you ever noticed that? The less you do, the less you want to do. Several of us guys had gathered many years ago, several years ago anyway, maybe many's not safe, several, several years ago at, at Curtis Sr.'s house, and we were sitting around talking, and I'll never forget what Larry Kuhn said. Larry Kuhn, we're all just kind of sharing who we are and what we do, and, and Larry Kuhn shared about himself, and he said this phrase, I never forgot it, he said, I 
will help anyone here do anything. I thought, oh, that, that, is, that is sweet. That wasn't the end of his phrase, though. He said, I will help anyone here do anything as long as it's nothing. <laughs> ah, okay. I, I see where you're going there, Larry. I will help anyone do anything as long as it's nothing. The less you do, the less you want to do. I've discovered that with people. It doesn't matter if you're young, old, whatever. If you don't do much, you don't do much. I heard this phrase years ago, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And I thought, man, why is that? That makes sense. So we'd have some assignments around the church sometime, and I'd think, well, here's somebody that doesn't have a lot going on. And so I'd give them the assignment, and I'd ask about a month later, and it wasn't done. Two months later, it wasn't done. Three months later, it wasn't done. I don't know if you remember somebody in our church. She went on to be with the Lord not that long ago. Her name is Errol Graham. Errol Graham, uh, she was working full-time at Cummins. She was helping with anything at the church. She had family to deal with. And life. She had a little side business where she was a graphic artist and designer. This gal was busy, busy. If I gave her something to do, she got done like that, just like that. In fact, I had a very embarrassing moment with uh, uh, Errol Graham. Uh, was Darlene came in the office, and this was years ago, and I was talking about something. Darlene's type A if you don't know that about Darlene. Darlene's type A person. She wants to get things done. So she goes, you're talking to Errol? Ask her if she'd do this and see if she can do this today. And so I put the phone on hold and I said, honey, I don't think Errol's just sitting around hoping that you give her an assignment today. I said, you know, just something about it. And, and, I, and by the way, I, seriously, I'm I, not joking about this. I don't cuss. So this wasn't says a cuss word. I said, it's just like come hell or high water, you've got to have done what you want done right now. And she said, oh, okay, well, that's true. Uh, you know, just ask Errol if she can get done sometime. So when I went to pick up the phone, I realized it was not on hold. <laughs> and Errol said, you can tell Darlene, I'll knock that out for her today. <laughs> I said, okay, well, uh, okay, thank you. And she did. Super busy person, got things done. Because the less you do, the less you want to do. And so we had to fight that. We have to fight that. We're going to grow forward. If we're going to ch chant, I can't stay here, we've got to do something to move forward. And, and Christianity is about doing stuff. You'll hear me preach all the time. It's not about doing something to earn salvation. It's not about doing something to make God happy for another day. It's not about doing something to appease him. God's already happy. He's already appeased. He's fully satisfied in the finished work of his son. And so it's not that. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're created in that. I remember I was talking to some retirees one time. I had a little project that I needed to get done. This is not to pick on you retirees unless you deserve it. Uh, and so I was talking to this person. I said, I got a little project to do. It'll probably take about six hours. I, you, you can do it however you want, whenever you want. You can do it a couple hours this week, a couple hours, a couple weeks from now, whatever. And they said, I just, I, I just don't know when I would get that done. I said, okay, well, let me ask you something. Because the sad thing was I knew this person well. You think, I'd like to know the pastor. Well, no, you wouldn't, because then I feel real comfortable telling you what I'm thinking. And so I said, you used to work 50 hours a week. You had kids underfoot. It cost you another 10, 20 hours a week and running them to this practice and that rehearsal and this whatever. I said, you freed up 60 to 70 hours a week. What are you doing with that? What do you mean? I just don't know where I would fit that in. You know, what are you doing? Well, the truth is this, the less you do, the less you want to do. 
Well, I discovered this. Kids got raised out of the house. We were always running somewhere, always in a gymnasium or a ball field or church. I don't know if you remember this. There used to be a day when we had Sunday school and Sunday morning service and Sunday night service and Wednesday night service, and then I would have an elder meeting every week, and have all the, and then there, I was on the worship team, I had a rehearsal on Saturday nights, there was all this stuff going on. But you know what, the less you do, the less you want to do. And so I've fallen into this pattern for the last few months, and, and I realize I can't stay here. The pattern is I leave church, and I go home, and I eat some supper, and then I turn on the TV and watch Wheel of Fortune. It comes on at 7 o'clock, for those of you who want to know. After Will of Fortune comes a program that I don't really like, but I can't find any substitute for it, so I just kind of, you know, power through it. It's called Jeopardy. You say, why don't you like Jeopardy? Because I don't want to be reminded how dumb I am. You know, I don't want to, you know, the junior high Jeopardy, I get about 50% of those, but, you know, the, the rest of them. So we get through Jeopardy. Well, after we get through Jeopardy, it comes around 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, Andy Griffith is on. And from 8 to 8.30 is Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith's on again from 8.30 to 9.00. And 9 o'clock is Gomer Pyle. For some reason, Darlene doesn't like Gomer Pyle. I don't understand why. So she'll go shower, get ready for bed, or do whatever. And then she comes back at 9.30 so we can watch Green Acres. Now, I don't know how you can not like Gomer Pyle and like Green Acres, okay? But, so that's our pattern. And then at 10 o'clock, we get ready to head to bed. And the first time we went through this pattern, I remember I told her, I said, why do we do this to ourselves? And she said, what? I said, Stay up to 10 o'clock at night. We're not 20 years old anymore. This is ridiculous. And she goes, yeah, it's 10.03. I think we can. No, this is awful. So now it's my habit every night at 10 o'clock. Why did we did it again? We did it again. We stayed up to 10 o'clock. This is ridiculous. And I've developed that pattern. And I was thinking about this. I can't stay there. You know, you think about that. And this is actually less TV watching. And that's not counting screens and phones and all that that the average person in America does, that's three hours every night. Three times five is what? I'm looking out there, you're going, I, I don't know. I didn't know there was going to be a test today. Yeah, three times five is 15. 15 times four is? Somebody say 16? 60, okay, good, okay. That made me nervous there. I thought, 16, we're going to have to start all over again. Uh, 60 hours. 60 hours a week. So you think, I just don't know when I cleaned the garage. Well, I, I found 60 hours for you right there. I don't know when I cleaned the house. I don't know when I cleaned the car. I don't know when I'd mow the grass. I don't know when I'd help anybody with anything. Well, there's 60 hours right there. So, it's easy to get lazy. So, I've gotten lazy. Maybe you've gotten lazy. And I just want us to start saying, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. My preferred future doesn't meet that. See, my preferred future isn't being an aficionado of every, you know, Andy Griffith show. So it's not where my preferred future is. So what are we going to do? We're going to do the Word of God. We're going to have a preferred future. We're going to see what the Word says. So in Hebrews chapter 11, 24 through 27, it says, by faith. There's that faith in. Faith is a preferred future. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen yet. That's what, that's what faith is. So by faith, Moses, when he had, here's an important two words. What's the next two words? When he had grown up. So it's time for me and you to grow up. When he had grown up, 
He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy, that word is the root of that's joy, to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So is there joy and fun in sin? Yes, there is. They're fleeting, but there's the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Wow. Egypt was probably the wealthiest you know, people group on planet Earth at that time. Why did he do that? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. He had a preferred future. He, he grew up. I mean, when we don't grow up, we just keep muddling around, but he grew up. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. It's time that we grow up. Now, of course, my focus is, since we're in the house of worship here, is that we focus on our spiritual growth, that we grow spiritually. Even, even if you say, I am, I'm on my game spiritually, I'm on the peak, that's fantastic. I'm not diminishing that, not trying to discourage you from that. But there's higher peaks in the Lord. Let's just keep going. Let's keep climbing. Let's keep moving forward, growing up. You know, even the world understands this. If you want to change something in your life, you go to any kind of addiction recovery thing, and they will tell you, first of all, you need to change your people. And you need to change your places. Some of you, your life would move forward spiritually if you changed your people and changed your places. You go, yeah, but, you know, I... I I like these people. I get that. I didn't say you had to never ever talk to them again. But somebody, something, and some place is influencing your life. And so you have to say, what people group, what place do I want to influence my life? And if you don't like where your life is at, then it's a good idea to change your people, change your places, change the things around you. Change. Change. So we use the word sacrifice. I, sacrifice is a great word, but sacrifice seems to be negative to people. Like, oh, I just I, I don't like the sound of sacrifice. Okay, let's call it invest. Invest your time, invest your talent, invest your, your treasures in something that helps move your life forward. I remember Zig Ziglar, I share this about every time. Zig Ziglar was a Christian motivational speaker, and he said he used to travel the world telling people, you got to pay the price. you got to pay the price. And one day he said he was thinking about that. He said, you know, you really don't pay the price for success. You enjoy the benefits of it. You don't pay the price for good health. You enjoy the benefits of good health. You don't pay the price for good relationships. You enjoy the benefit. You don't pay the price for your spirituality. You enjoy the benefits of your spirituality. So invest in that which really matters. If we looked at the scriptures, we'd find that Paul, who wrote a lot of books in the New Testament, he told the Ephesians that they need to grow up. They need to mature. Peter tells that in the book 1 Peter that bears his name. It's time to grow up and mature. And by the way, this is not said hateful. It's not like, you big babies, you need to grow up. It's said as a motivation to us to have a preferred future and that we grow. I think the most powerful thing is found by the brother of Jesus, James. James writes this, and we're not going to look at it on a slide, but you can look at it in James chapter 1, verse 4. There's this concept that James said, hold on, if we'll persevere and we'll mature and we'll grow up, listen to the promise. If we will do that, we will lack no good thing. Wow. So spiritual maturity does it? Yes. Spiritual maturity, you will lack no good thing. The only thing you'll lack is lack. That's it. 
according to James, the brother of Jesus, James chapter 1, verse 4. So persevere, hang tough. Keep going, keep moving, keep growing. Keep saying to yourself, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. Now I imagine the gravitational pull of the couch is going to catch me Monday. Now I'm going to hit Will of Fortune. But when Will of Fortune comes on, I'm going to look at Darlene and say, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. Get out and mow the grass. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage her. We can't stay here. So here's our focus for the week. Our focus for the week is this, that we begin declaring, I can't stay here. Now, I want to say again, where you're at may be wonderful. This isn't just for, yeah, those people whose lives are really wrecked. They can't stay there. All of us need to move forward. I can't stay here. The second thing is, is think through, this is my typo I saw. Typos drive me crazy. But think through where you want to be. No, that's just not my southern talk there. That's a misspelling. Think through where you want to be. Think through, what's my preferred future? What's my preferred future? Then make sure you focus on your faith first. You know, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I had a revelation one day, I was reading that, and I realized, oh, you know what? He didn't say seek only. He said seek first. It's okay if you got a hobby. It's okay if you, you want to improve your family or your education or your work life or whatever. That's okay. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things. You can read it for yourself. All the things the world is running after will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, you are primarily a spiritual being. You and I are a spirit being. We live inside a body. And this body is just a temporary earth suit. We're going to lay it aside one day. And we possess a soul, which is our mind and our will and our emotions. But the real you is a spirit living inside you. And so true growth in all areas of life needs to focus on spiritual growth. Make sure your focus is faith first. If you've got people in your life that don't encourage you spiritually, now some people you can't get rid of. I get it. So don't leave here and say, pastor just told me to divorce my spouse because they are not encouraging me spiritually. I did not tell you that. But there are some people in your life that you could actually say, you know what, this person does not help me grow spiritually. In fact, they mock it or they hold me back or they do all kinds of things and put, the, put that person aside. Now, that sounds harsh, and I don't mean it to be because I, I want to be loving and kind, and I believe our gospel message is for those who don't know Jesus, but I'm telling you, there's a point in your life where you have to say no to the influences until you're strong enough to handle them. Now, there'll be a time where you'll grow and you'll get strong enough and you can be around those people and they won't, they won't affect you at all. But until then, change your people, change your places. The fourth thing is just pick an area or areas that you need to mature in. Now, you may start a list and you may turn the page and okay, well, now I've got too many things in there. Well, find the one or two that you think are the most important. And you can actually ask God, what do you think is the most important? Help me, lead me. And then the next thing is develop a plan for growth. I don't know what that plan would be. It can be simple. I say keep it simple. Keep it simple. There's so much material and, and ideas you can get. And please, if you access things on the internet, access good, godly ideas and materials because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there as well, but there's a lot of great stuff. And you can develop a plan for growth. You know, I can say, you know what? 
I don't want to watch so much TV. I say, here's a plan. Unplug the TV. Ooh, that's deep. See, it doesn't have to be complex. Just make a plan. Make a plan. Substitute something else for it. Make a plan. And so you and I, we need to get an eye set on a preferred future. And the primary focus of that preferred future is Jesus and our spiritual life. And as we grow in that, everything else begins to fall in place. I truly believe this from the core of my being, that if you will be healthy spiritually, it brings health to your family, it brings health to your relationships, it brings health to your workplace, it brings health to your school, it brings health everywhere. Can you imagine if tomorrow you woke up and you went to a school or to a workplace where everybody was healthy spiritually? Can you imagine all the waste of time and energy because people are, are unhealthy spiritually, which makes them unhealthy emotionally, and then you, just, you have to wade through hours of drama and trauma every day just to get your job done? What a wonderful place that would be. But you can only control yourself there, so go ahead and develop a plan for spiritual growth. I want us to pray together.